very welcome to the Locker Room Podcast from dailysportscience.com. This is episode number 81. We're picking up uh, where we left off from episode 75, so six episodes previous where we were looking at the physical corner of preseason and how to design it. Today, we've got Ross Bennett back, a sports scientist and coach across uh, professional football and uh, the GA sports as well. And we're looking at the technical and tactical corners of designing a preseason program. And also we'll briefly touch on the psychosocial as well. So that'll be our four corners then after our uh, very popular previous episode looking specifically at the physical corner because that's so um, important and then we'll be just looking at we'll be discussing uh, how to uh, effectively integrate these aspects into a daily sessions across the week and also across a six-week macro cycle. Ross you're very welcome uh, uh, welcome back and uh, we're in the football preseason at the moment and obviously we can apply lots of this stuff to the GA games as well and stuff like that, but we'll probably focus on, on the football a little bit more. I listened to a podcast recently in the last few days, the Foot, Football Fitness Federation with Ben, and he was speaking to Ian Cole, who's a sports scientist in Bulgaria at the moment, who previously was with Celtic Football Club. And he made an interesting point, and I think we'll kind of uh, discuss this really today, and this is why we want to do it, that when you're designing a preseason plan, even as a sports scientist, even as a fitness coach, you start with the end in mind of what kind of way the team, the manager or the head coach wants the team to play, what are the kind of physical attributes around that, and basically, you know, delving down into the individual players, then leading from that. But really, you're starting with the end in mind of like where you want to be at the end of the preseason, and and linked into that is the technical, the tactical, and the, the psychosocial. Yeah, Kiers, thanks for having me back on. Uh, can't be six weeks, five, five, five episodes. Yeah, it's yeah. flown five, six weeks. Both our little lads have birthdays in, in that meantime, so that's cool. Um, yeah, no, I think, I think that's a really good point. Um, I think that, like for me, you have milestones throughout the preseason. So you have your end like game, which in professional football is, is obviously the first league game. So if we're talking about technically, tactically, like what, who's the opposition? Like what are we going to face? What do we know about them? And then how do we want to like impose our style on? But then throughout that process, you have like in two weeks, we have the first friendly. So what do we want our team to look like in that first friendly? It's not going to be the finished article. And then as your friendlies go like through and your training changes, like how do we mould each milestone towards that end goal? Because um, I think it will change depending on like players you get in. Um, you might tinker with stuff in, in preseason. You might not be 100% sure how you're going to line up formation wise. So I think it yeah, ends, in, ends in goal, but you've got lots of different milestones within that six week period that, that you have little checkpoints to, to get to. Yeah, it's a good point. And, and you spoke about that previously where you're looking to get the players up to doing 45 minutes of a game, preseason friendly, and then maybe 60 minutes maybe 75 minutes and then finally 90 minutes in preparation uh, for, for the first league game then. But just we, we'll turn our attention to the tactical aspect of it then because it's quite interesting. A lot of people kind of think solely about the physical aspect. Um, so if we just share some key skills or, or practices that 
let's say you'd be doing that, you'd, you'd be highlighted within an individual training session then in, in pre-season? Yeah, well, I think that like, the, I think the reason why the milestones are important is because like the first friendly in two weeks, we're not going to look like in real detail around the tactical like analysis of how our team work, but it's all going to be about key principles that we want for our team. So if you're a high, if you want a high energy style that presses all over the pitch, then once you can physically do that within your training program, so after two, three days, they've been introduced with some like light technical work, like probably not a post stuff to start with then you start embedding those principles in. So things around tight transfer possessions, those sort of practices, possession boxes where you're um, teaching players to go straight to the ball. Like, And this is just a defensive one. My mind always shifts to the defensive side, uh, as you know. But like the principle side of things is where your tactics start. So it's not all about like unopposed patterns, walkthroughs. You have to embed some key principles. So if you're a passing team that likes to break lines, you might do tighter tight possessions to encourage creating a melee, playing through lines, um, drawing people in. And then as pre-season goes on, you then take that those principles into more like tactical-based scenarios where it's going to be full pitch, like Lem v 11 type style, and, and the, the pictures become more realistic to the game but you're going to work on more repetition. We had Eddie Munley on and he spoke about the three R's. Um, so like the realism, when you go into that tactical stuff really creeps in towards the end. But if you want to work on a specific principle, we need lots of repetitions of that. So that's when you link in your, your tactical like principles and then you go through the, the pre-season to get your tactical specific scenarios, I guess, towards, towards the end. And as regards to the te technical practice, do you, do you see that changing throughout the microcycle then throughout the, the weekly uh, program yeah well i think the technical i think the technical work first of all depends on the group so it's like what you know okay there are principles that we want to embed can our players technically play that way number one so or do they need some work on certain elements of it is it some detail around the weight of pass or the change of ball speed and if, if you have identified that we need to work on that, then we need to work on that in isolation as well. So we might work on certain unopposed practices that technically improve our players within those details. Within the microcycle, then, like you would, the start of the microcycle would start to be more technical and principle based. Whereas as you shift towards the end of it, towards the game, like you're going to become more tactical based. Things are going to be larger. You're going to work on like specific scenarios and walk people through. But I think it does depend on the group. Like if you need more principle-based learning, you need more like technical like overloads, you will spend more weight early on in preseason on that because they won't be able to play the way you can play if they don't have those like key skills. I'd say as well, it probably matters about the, the evolution and the progression of the team and the, and the players. And obviously, if a new coach comes in, it's might, it might take a little bit of time just to get to know the players and get them up to speed. And, you know, you might want to spend a little bit of extra time on, on first touch, on trapping the ball, on technique and, and stuff like that. Whereas if you've been with the team over a number of years, they're used to the program, they're used to the practices, you can probably speed through the technical work a lot quicker, I'd say. Yeah, like I, I quite like the technical work at the start of preseason because it's a lower intensity type introduction to ball work, especially if they haven't done, talking about physical now, but like how it's integrated. If they haven't done much ball striking and things in, in the off season and you're not sure. 
So it gives you definitely less physical outputs within a technical practice. If your group are at a competent technical level, then yeah, you can go into principle-based training, scenario-based training, where you're working on a key principle of your tactics and you might coach the details within that session. So if we spoke about there about ball speed, if you want to play into midfield and break like an opposition's line, first couple of lines of, of defence, then it's about how you manipulate that ball speed to speed the ball up to punch through. So you can work on that within the tech, within the like the principle-based possession. But then if your group is not at that level and you do need to literally work on a slow set to punch through the line and an unopposed practice, then you have to start there. So we spoke about the physical like profiling of players. You need a technical and tactical profiling of players to really like design your sessions. Yeah, I think it works well as well, like linked with the physical profiling or the, the, the physical outputs as well, what you're looking for at the beginning of preseason and that the technical practice is generally unopposed or semi-unopposed. It's it's much, much less loading. It doesn't cover as much distance. There's not as many Axels, D-cells or high-end Axels, D-cells anyway. And it fits, it kind of plugs into the programme quite nicely, whereby you're probably spending more time on the technical aspects of, of the preparation at the beginning of preseason. And then as the preseason goes on, you're probably, you're, the, the tactical element shifts up and the technical kind of comes down a little bit. And, and even when we were involved with the, the London Gaelic football team, like we would have started our first few sessions were very, technical based with as you say principles of play and everything like that and then we just started to introduce phases of play without really going into games at all until like week two or at the end of week two or something like that so kind of it fits in nicely to that physical loading as well and an opportunity to bed down good principles you know of checking your shoulder Whatever it is, all these different principles that you want to team ball speed, like you mentioned before, it's an, a good opportunity to actually kind of coach these things. Yeah, 100%. And like a couple of things like flying around in my mind as we speak there. So the first one is just because let's say we're doing a, a 4v4, we called it like defensive arena, but a 4v4 where you've got to try and break through some gates, right? So a principle-based like scenario, micro scenario. People would say, well, that's not like a tactical session, but it is a tactical session because like you're coaching the furthest defender when they're not involved with the ball to tuck over and block off the middle gate and leave the furthest winger. So that's tactical because like that's how you want to compact the, the, the middle of the pitch, win the ball back in the middle, and if the ball gets transferred. And then if you're in possession, you're creating like really good width to stretch the defence. So like even though it's a 4v4 and it's not like a Pep Guardiola, like 11 style, can we play through the line, unopposed patterns, it's still tactical. So that was the first thing. And then the second thing around like the, the physical loading and things like that, when you're going through like unopposed patterns, like um, from a tactical walkthrough, they can actually rack up some high physical loads. So like we might say, well, it's quite light, it's a match day minus one, but if you're playing on a full pitch and you've got your winger like receiving the ball, getting to the byline and crossing, then they're probably going to do quite a bit of high-speed running and they're probably going to get to 90% of their max speed. So it's just making sure that we're fully aware of how they interlink with each other within that physical plan. Um, and kids, I just honestly think there's no like right or, or wrong answer with all this. Like some people believe in setting teams up to walk through and make sure they know patterns, which is fine. Some people set up a phase of play so you get the patterns with pressure. Um, and it's just like, how do your group respond and what do you want to get them to do? 
when they go out in that first league game. So sussing that out is quite quite hard. Um, but that's that's why the manager and the coaches have paid the big bucks, I guess. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So just start thinking, uh, like in summary, as regards the technical aspects, like if you're thinking in terms of my mind shifts to the GA world and the Gaelic football and the hurling, everything like that, it's probably, you know, not as progressive as the professional football world, obviously. And preseason is still viewed as, on as like, very physical dominated um lots of you know lots of running and everything like that which is fine and has to be done at times but it's probably not looked on as an opportunity to work on this on the skills of the game and a lot of the ta- technical practice and i i just hope people take from this that actually it's okay and actually it's quite good to do lots of technical work as well and remembering that in some ways like it's a reintroduction to to the sport as well that they've had in a football sense they've had six weeks off in a GA sense it could it might be more you know with clubs and everything like that and it's just a kind of a gentle reintroduction so don't be afraid to have the loading low at the beginning and with lots of technical practice a good opportunity to coach and you can start building it up a little bit from there just shifting on to the tactical and i know you've you've touched on that already but i think it's quite interesting in pre-season and some of the discussion discussion points that it throws up um but what what are some of the kind of do you think are the, the critical tactical components then that you can prioritize at the let's say at the beginning of pre-season like what what are kind of the the few simple main things that you want to embed into your team. And I know that will, that obviously depends on the head coach and the manager and they want to play, but just kind of the general, um, let's say principles of play, let's say. Yeah. I think as you spoke, like I, I kind of messed up your order there. I get that with the tactical stuff and the technical thing, but I think that shows how interlinked they are. Like mm. I don't think you can strictly look at a technical like practice in isolation because it will have a link to how you want to play so if you do an unopposed hand passing practice it's because you want to play a certain style that adopts hand passing or kick passing or whatever it is in the ga but i think like we spoke about there it's like get your base technical level like introduced it's really nice introduction get your principles sorted so if you want to speak about creating melees to switch play. You can start putting on practices that do that with certain scenarios, whether you want that to go into goals or whether you want to start off as a multi-directional possession or however you want to do that. Or you're out of possession, like you might want to swarm teams to get the ball back really quickly, or you might want to drop off teams. So you set scenarios up to do that. Now, if you want to drop off teams, you give like people in possession practices like opportunity to get more points if they go in behind. So it enables a defensive team to drop off. Um, all these sort of things. So your key principles, like you said, that are going to be set by the end goal. Like how do you want to play on that first league game? You introduce then. Um, and then as you go through the preseason, it's about introducing that in more realistic scenarios. So LMV11 or overloaded scenarios. So LMV10 and really stretch the, the, the team you want to get outcomes from. And like explicitly showing them things on bigger pictures and, and how they look in, in the game. So it's like smaller, smaller principle and, and how do you coach your like details of how you're going to tactically play and then how do you transfer that to become on a larger game and coach the units together because I think at the start of preseason you can isolate a lot of units around so you work on defensive plus a couple of holding midfielders you might work on attacking three or four uh good wing depending how you want to play with a supporting midfielder 
and then how do you integrate those units together so that's constantly what you've got like in my mind plus the individuals within that team and and what they need to work on do you think then in in pre-season and i suppose folks are more at the beginning of pre-season do you think that that the tactical aspect of the practices changes throughout the week like in that you're trying to embed in your normal kind of week's preparation even though they're you know there might be just like a friendly game that weekend are you still kind of going from like smaller sided intensive practices to more larger sided team preparation getting ready for the game throughout the week or at the beginning of preseason, you're not really worried about that at all and you're just kind of going okay well this is my two-week block of of training and i'm just going to focus on that let's say yeah i don't think it's so much of a priority like mm. but but then everyone works slightly different i've seen when it is a priority and i think what you said about depending on like the tenor so if it's a new coach then they're probably not even going to get to that point yet because they're still embedding key principles. Whereas if someone's been there three, four years, as long as it physically allows to, then you might start to work on how you want to play. But I think in my mind, it's like, okay, what's your key for the first friendly, at least what's your key in possession, like thing that you want to see? Do you want to see an identity? Do you, if you want to play like a ball to the, the number nine peeling off a diag that's then going to get a knockdown, then that's the thing in possession you want to see. And you want to see your centre half and holding midfielder do that. Then that's something you might work on like in isolation. Whereas if you want to play like really like ticky-tacky type football is going to play through the thirds, then you're probably going to do a lot of possession-based stuff that's going to transfer into the game so it's not it's not um, a finished article but for me it's like what's one or two key parts of your tactics that you want to see in your first game and once the players have understood that part then you can just layer it on throughout preseason. yeah I like what you said as well about how it gives you an opportunity to kind of work on smaller units you know and then add in individuals into your defensive unit you add in your maybe defensive midfielder or something like that I wonder, like, do they, how do they progress then across the six-week macro cycle of preseason? Like, uh, I, I presume by the end of the preseason period, you're kind of, you need your 11 players out there, your, your team shape in possession, out of possession, transition from attack to defence, from defence to attack. And it's much more game, you know, game relevant, let's say. Yeah, exactly that. And the realism, obviously, to 11v11 is a lot higher. But yeah. I think, like, earlier on in the preseason, like that kind of 4v4 type scenario that I spoke about earlier, they're the sort of practices that you can embed on, on certain units. So if it's a back four, how are we going to defend as a back four? Um, if it's a, a midfield four trying to stretch teams, how are we going to create the width? How are we going to get runners from deep to go beyond the back line? They're the sort of principles that you work out at the start of preseason to how we want each individual to work. And then as you come towards the end, well, how does that work with the timing of the fullback clipping the ball with the centre midfielder running beyond, which we might not have done in a in a 4v4 possession. It's just about running off, running off your man. So, like, again, it's so dependent on the group and how you want mm. to play. But there's lots more, like, bespoke unit practices done like at the start once we've got through that initial loading phase. And then things are brought together in bigger phases of play, bigger yeah. 11v11s. And then it's about everybody recognising everyone else's job. So as yeah. a centre forward, I need to know what the right back's job because 
if he's going to play up to me when I'm peeling off, I need to know the trigger of how he's going to do that. We might not have worked on that in the first two or three weeks. It might just be in the actual movement off the centre half. So yeah. it's just layering things up. And then, yeah, the LMV11 is the ultimate, the ultimate goal. It's really interesting because, as you say, the beginning of preseason gives you that opportunity to work like on individuals, units, you know, small things, and then you bring it to the 11v11 or the 15v15 Gaelic sport. But it flips again in some ways that you're, you're doing the whole team shape, but then that gives you the opportunity to add the extra layers of like, okay, this individual player, this individual, you know, kind of mini unit, here's what I want you to do in this specific scenario. And I remember we at times got frustrated when we were involved with London GA, where I remember saying that sometimes that like, we've done that already. You know, why have we not, why isn't that kind of cemented cemented in the team that like we we did that already, you know, our ball speed. Why are we, why do we have to go back and (laughs) revisit that? (laughs) But I suppose it's like, it's like in school, you kind of have to constantly revisit the kind of the foundations, the pillars, the principles but all the time then adding extra layers. And I suppose that goes back to the thing about how evolved the team already is and the setup that are you at a stage where you're now, okay, we've done well in the past or we've been here a while. Now we can add like the real little extra details and you can probably introduce that earlier if you've been with the team longer in some ways, you know? Yeah, and also it comes down to like how you manage your staff and how you manage mm-hmm. the sessions. Like you could put on a phase of play, but it's really it's important if you're running that by yourself. It's impossible to get like specific info to every single player, even if you're focusing on the starting team. So you have coaches dotted around focused on different like areas of the pitch and different units, but then you have to come back to unit work to get those real details in and. It might not be the link, but it's like, okay, in this scenario, when the centre forward peels off, I just want you to practice on clipping the ball there with good weight of pass and, and good flight trajectory or whatever it is. Um, so it's kind of, you need a combination of both to get the, the, the right amount of info in. I think that as well, like the professional football world is in a brilliant position where you have countless number of staff and especially clubs, you know, category one academies or Premier League first teams, there's so many staff now employed by the club that they they have enough people to get around to all the individuals. And if I look in the GA world, which I always do in the back of my head, I think of like the really successful teams now have huge numbers of backroom teams. You know, in a GA world, over 20 is like a lot, you know, under 20 is, is smaller. But it just means that you've more eyes and you've more voices and people can work on specific little things. And even I saw there announced just today, there was one football club, I can't remember who exactly, where they have like a dedicated attacking coach, a dedicated defending coach. And obviously we know the set pieces coaches and and everything like that as well. Um, But just having those extra numbers as you say, dotted around the pitch, kind of working on specific players and and units is is obviously going to be a big help. Yeah, huge. And like, um, obviously, worked for for Michael Bill, uh, who was at QPR, and we had him on the podcast when he was still at Rangers, actually. 
um, he always had like a specific coach working with each unit. So defense, midfield, attacker, and then one that would oversee everything. And not only on the pitch working in those sort of unit practices, but off the pitch as well. So loads of discussions and analysis within your unit of certain parts of the game. And it just created like real small groups around like specific areas of their job role and what he wanted them to do tactically. And I think that's the level of detail that like needs to be brought in. And I think in the Gaelic world, even if you've got two coaches or two selectors working with a club team, like be really, be really like clear and um, strategic on how you spend your time. So split the group into half. Make it clear that those half the players, whether you're going to look at like half the midfield and attacking players with one and more defensive type players with another, and just have really clear outcomes and clarity on the messages you want to cross. Because you could have 25 staff working with a team, but if everybody's saying different things in terms of style of play, messaging, philosophy, then everyone's going to be confused. There's going to be no identity in your team. So that was the biggest thing that I think at London that like you try to instill is like surround yourself with people that have the same ideas and can carry out those like same philosophical points. Otherwise, it becomes like quite problematic as well. Yeah, and there's nothing worse than members of staff or backroom teams like standing just watching, you know, not doing anything. Like everybody should be involved, and even if it's a very very simple practice. One team can be working on the out of possession, one team or defend a uh, uh, team, the other can be the in possession or attacking team or, you know, different units and, and everything like that. Just moving on then to the psychosocial, um, what, uh, Ross, just what, as regards your opinion during pre-season, how do you approach getting to know your players individually? And obviously in the football world, you get a lot of new signings at times and players coming in, but like, are there any specific things you do or is just in a, a, a case of going up to them on day one, introducing yourself and just bit by bit kind of integrating them into the programme as much as you can and getting to know them as, as people? Yeah, it's a very good point because I think things need to be thought about a little bit more methodical than that. I think for the most successful teams, um, the good thing about football is regardless of how like good or bad your season was the year before the break gives you like natural energy and people come in the next season full of energy as if like that the past 12 months didn't happen so it gives you like a natural start regardless how things gone but you've always got to think about the player journey for me so when they walk first day through that building like how are they going to feel personally in that environment on their journey on day one day two and how they're going to feel valued so you need to make sure that you put people, the right people in the right place to meet and greet, take them through. Like the support staff are so important here because normally it's testing on day one, screening, testing on day two before they even like get to know the coaches and get onto the grass. So meet and greet, make sure people feel valued, make sure there's clarity around the first few days. Um, and also like have somebody that doesn't have like loads of jobs to do within that testing process mm. who can spend a little bit of time. How was your summer? Um, how were the kids? Um, did you get away? Um, how was so-and-so's wedding? I know it's another footballer's wedding. There's always wedding season in, in the off season for footballers. Um, and really just start to make them to feel like at home a little bit. So I think, but that has to be thought out. At what part in the day can they do that? At what part in the day is there a real like strong briefing on pre-season, give them clarity of what's going to happen and here's your schedule. Um, you know, so just making them feel valued and like you say, then personal touches, but each club needs to think about like, the journey of when they walk through the door the car park experience you know the, all these yeah. sort of things that just makes them feel at home 
And I think if those things aren't thought about, little things will get on players' nerves and it will brew. And there might be a few things from last season that creep in, whereas you just want to start fresh and, and, and just make that experience really comfortable for them. Yeah, and do you know an interesting which which I experienced last year with with one of our first team players was like you forget sometimes how young some of these people are. You're like mm-hmm. early twenties. He was coming from a different country. Um, he had no family, no friends in London. London is obviously a very big, very big city. Whereas you know, if a player signs for Brighton, Brighton is a very small city, or Nottingham Forest again you know, a, a small city, I better not say town, but let's say a small city. Um, so coming, like everything is new. His, like his fiance or his girlfriend was pregnant. Again, lots of other stuff and, you know, visits to the hospitals and checkups and stuff like that. And just that importance of like a player settling in. I know that they, you don't have that in the GA world. <laughs> Obviously it's very different, but in the football world, like a player just settling into kind of, normal life and and English is probably going to be their second language you know for lots of guys coming and it's it's difficult and that's that's why the kind of the ops team or the player care or the you know secretary assistant secretary all these different people are so important to kind of bed in that player just into life in in the club and the city and the country yeah 100% and also um, like if you're a manager designate someone from your specific staff the coaching team to actually be a, be free and the right person to be able to go and spend time with these new people mm-hmm. and if you're in sports science and medicine have somebody who's got you know quite good rapport with people who can just spend a few days a few days on the first few days they're there getting to know them whilst they're going through their like integrative approach and their screening um i think it's really valuable so having those extra staff Sometimes it's like, well, okay, he's not doing his JD, but it's going to make a big difference in the long run. So, yeah, yeah you're right. You have to look at it. And, and the game's changed as well. Like years ago, people used to like, you know, it used to be staff versus players and, you know, don't trust the players. And we've had like a lot of chats around this sort of like ethos. Now it's, you have to work with everybody, you know, everybody, the player's power has like massively increased because we need the players. The fans need the players, you know, the, the, the entertainment. So, we just need to get the best out of everybody. And on a basic human level, how do we do that? Make sure they're valued, make sure they're appreciated and just think about their journey. Just really think about every day through their eyes, they come into the building. What does it look like for them? And how can we get them to perform and be at their best? Yeah, exactly. Just last question then on the psychosocial and we wrap things up. Um, is there a place then in preseason for your kind of team building activities or creating the environment or do those kind of mini tours often, which are often abroad or, or in the home country, will they just naturally take care of that where a group of, of people are tucked away in a hotel for a week or 10 days and it just automatically brings people closer? Or is there a need for kind of specific team building and, and activities like that? Yeah, very good question. Um, I think obviously the preseason tours, like one of the massive strengths is to, to get everyone together, especially if it's a new squad, you can, first of all, control not only training, but like nutrition intake, but also get people together from a psychosocial perspective. Um, I think the team building stuff like within those trips are really powerful. You've got time in afternoons to go and do stuff, um, so on. 
but also like going a little bit old school now, like the hard nature of preseason, like and getting players to work hard together, um, embedding new technical tactical principles, but physically pushing the boat out where like they probably won't take their body like in season two. That alone brings camaraderie. So we can't, even though it's got to be what's right for the program, like technically, tactically, physically, like them sort of activities really do bring. In, you push yourself to the max, and you go with a teammate. And, you know, you compete with each other and you've got the person who's the unfittest getting across the line. That's the spirit that gets people there in, in December, yeah. January, when it becomes tough on a Tuesday night. So all of those things together um, and run those activities throughout the season. You know, the, the off-site staff, the, the, we, the manager now at QPR has brought in the development days that people saw online with the hacker and things like that. You know, all them sort of things. Some people... Do believe in them, don't believe in them. But, you know, if you've got buy-in from everybody and it's a little bit of cracks, a little bit of fun, um, then they're going to go a long way in terms of spirit and cohesion and, and working together. So pre-season is really important for that. Set your stall out, get everyone together, make sure everybody's on the same page. And in the football world, unfortunately, if players aren't on the same page, then you have to look at, are they the right player for the club? Because not everybody's a, a good fit for, for styles of play and things like that. So it gives you an opportunity to get people that are, willing to buy in and, and go all in yeah so in summary there are a lot of things to take care about in pre-season other yeah. than just physical loading <laughs> it's an important it's an important obviously in football it's an important like part you you tweak stuff physically tactically technically as you go throughout the season but that you know from what i've learned my small experience in first team football now is if you get the pre-season right you're you're halfway there to a successful season um Obviously, you have to adapt and poor managerial changes don't help that process. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, it's it's really important process. So, you know, make sure it's planned and, and thought out from all, all, all angles. Yeah. It, 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 thanks, Ross, for your insights across both episodes with the physical corner and also the technical, tactical and psychosocial. It might sound complicated, but actually the number one thing you can probably do is sit down and design out a plan you know, yourself and your, your multidisciplinary team because everybody's got a lot of experience. And as we always say, it's like a it's like a puzzle or a jigsaw where you just put in your different, you plug in your different pieces into the relevant places. And like, as we often say, there is the science, but there's the kind of the art of it as well, of like there is no one correct way of doing it. No, and, and do you know what kids like the sports scientists will have like a natural um like ability or natural desire to plan things out. It's part of their job, it's what they're taught to do. Like as coaches, like embrace that side of it. And that's something where like I've took from sports science into coaching where you put your six-week cycle on the board and you get all your coaches talking about the team style, what we want to look like. How does that look like in week one and week two? What players do we need to impact? What players do we need to get in? All these sort of things that probably like we just take for granted, turn up for a session, put on a session plan, but look at the bigger picture because if the players know how much detail you've put into that planning process and see it on the grass because you'll have so much passion about it, then they're going to buy in more and they're going to say, do you know what? These guys know what they're doing. They care about me, which is what players like ultimately want. And they're progressing how we play and that will come together. So just, just embrace something that's a little bit different. Sit down. Don't be scared of Excel and, and sports scientists that come at you with numbers and stuff like that. Put it on a board, get down to layman's terms, tweak it as you go, but have a clear picture of where you want to go at the end. Like you started off with a podcast 
and how, what's the art of getting our team there the subjective side of of coaching our team so really yeah. really excited time for, i think for for everyone yeah, exactly. Okay, great. Thank you, Ross. Um, that was episode 81, would you believe? Um, looking at planning out the preseason and focusing on the technical, tactical and psychosocial corner. Um, head over to dlysportscience.com. Have a look at our uh, elite coaching services. Ross, thank you very much. And uh, we'll see everybody back in another couple of weeks. Thanks, kids.